So any new listeners, uh, I currently live in Miami. Miami has its own Grand Prix. And while I was doing some driving, visiting some family, doing some adult things, whatever, I have to, I'm, I'm moving, there's a lot of stuff going on. But I have driven past Hard Rock Stadium numerous times. And not only have I seen the evolution of the setup for the Miami Grand Prix, but officially, as of two days ago, and I can say two days ago because on Sunday they did not exist, City of Miami has started to, or the Grand Prix has started to, advertise for the Miami GP on billboards. While you're driving up and down the Florida Turnpike, there are Formula One cars all over the place, and it's great. Cold down our wind up on the grid, it's lights out, and away we go this week's Grid Walk. Weirdly upsetting in such a way that I lived in Miami for many years, but none of those years overlapped with the Formula One Grand Prix. Yeah, yeah. Like I could perfectly envision the amount of time that I have spent at Hard Rock Stadium that was formerly called other things when I was there, but yet I've never been to the Miami Grand Prix. I get that there's only been one year, but I felt so much pain and FOMO last year. I was like, I have no been to all seats. <laughs> <laughs> I could literally this is and I've only sent them to you and I could probably this may be a content idea I don't know if anyone would ever be interested in this I could probably make a compilation of all of the videos I have taken of me running across the track quote unquote <laughs> during a football tailgate and me fangirling about grid spots because we're walking across the starting line and like no one that I'm with cares and I'm like I need to sit on the floor and pretend I'm a car <laughs> yeah, I, I, every single photo that came out, like Lewis sitting in those blue chairs in Hard Rock Stadium, taking photos, and I'm like, yep, I've sat there, and I've sat there, and oh, those were my normal seats, and that, and like, oh, they're walking in that place, I've spent a lot of time there, like, oh, that, that is where I would buy my chicken tenders at halftime, like, it's, it is so weird to see all these people, very famous people in Formula One context, just like walking around where we hung out in college is so confusing to me. Yeah, it's, it is very weird. And that is, you know, what comes with having a football team that a college football team that plays in an NFL stadium. But I also, you know, as being a tailgate college football veteran, I contribute a lot of my, I had so much fun at free practice for the Miami GP because I knew how to navigate that whole entire stadium and people like, it's so big. It's all these places. And I'm like, there's bathrooms inside and I can find air conditioning. And I just knew where to go. So it felt like a cheat sheet to the Miami GP. And I think I know we're debating whether to go or we're trying. I mean, we really want to go, but we're just like, does it make sense for us to go? It's just, it's so not cheap, which is not news to anyone listening. Surprise, they have fake boats. I saw them building the fake beach is already being constructed. <laughs> but I, if I was going to predict what's going to happen is that it's going to be about three weeks from now and you and I are going to look at each other and you're going to be like, Brianna, book the tickets. Like, book them. <laughs> and, yeah. But right now, I'm, I'm admitting that we're like, oh, it would be fun, but like, do we want to do it this year? Like, oh, but yeah. Yeah, it's hinting on things where I'm like, I know those things. I know that city. I know those places. And I'm like, I want to be there. 
Yeah. Yeah. And like, there's a million ways of how we're like, oh, it just doesn't make sense. And everyone's like, well, you know, you, I'm the slight caveat is I'm kind of moving to New York right now. <laughs> right. The process, So it's, and like, I will be officially out of Miami basically a week or two after the GP. So it's like, okay, we could sleep on a floor. Uh, but yeah. So but weirdly that's convincing me more that we should go because it's, right. like, it's like, we have a floor to sleep on. We don't have to pay these hotel prices. <laughs> we still have to pay for the ticket. Will your like, car still be there? Yes. Oh, this is now becoming like a meeting. <laughs> yeah. This is now becoming you and I discussing the logistics of the Miami GP. But um, to your earlier point, that's amazing content. We have to make that content of you running through it because I've seen all those videos and we need to share those. And we also will probably do something, whether or not we're there, of like, here's a photo of F1 driver. Here's a photo of us in that same place. Even if it's like 19, 20 year old baby us's. <laughs> Right. That location. right. I'm telling like it's like when they posted the picture of their fancy new paddock club mm -hmm. that they're building, and I'm like, there's a bridge to the stadium. Oh my gosh, there's gonna be kids that just jump the ramp and <laughs> walk that bridge, and they're gonna be walking around the paddock in the middle of a game against oh, Bethune Cookman. Yeah. Like <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh, anyone who's not a college football fan will not get that joke. Over your head, but it's funny. Right. Just take yeah, it. <laughs> I, yeah. Oh, okay. So literally every time we have a conversation about this, I'm like, we have to go. So maybe, maybe that's the takeaway, but stay tuned. Someone tell us that we should go yeah. or someone give us tickets and we'll go. We'll make oh, well, you great content. Sure. Right. <laughs> right. That's why I'm saying. All I need right now to book the flight cross country to Miami is for one person to be like, go to the Miami GP. So we are coming off a race week. Speaking of Miami, we're coming off race week number two. So many things came out of this race. We have the Red Bulls, a rocket ship. I don't fully grasp exactly what's going on with Aston Martin. Like, is Alonso just good? Or is how fast really are they? Can they actually compete with Red Bull? Ferrari had a weekend. They, they really had a weekend. And I personally, as a Mercedes and Lewis fan, don't quite know what I'm supposed to be feeling right now. I don't know if I should be happy, sad, discouraged, encouraged, frustrated. Just, I think I'm feeling all the emotions at once. We also had an abundance of pop culture. Just feels like rushed into the system. So we're gonna have an extra long gossip grid. But unfortunately, we've only made it to race two of the season and we have to start with the FIA. So, so let's, let's go into the wild here. Yeah, it uh, definitely didn't take long for the FIA to make this about themselves. <laughs> it's not good when the like, four biggest storylines coming out of the weekend are just about the zebras. Just about the zebras. Yep. And that might be confusing for some people that maybe don't watch American sports. <laughs> or aren't in our brains constantly. Yes. <laughs> so... We, we call this segment where we're going to just spend a bunch of time talking about what's going on with the FIA and how they affected the race this weekend into the wild. Because in America, all referees, for the most part, wear some version of black and white stripes historically. So even though the FIA are not out there on track wearing black and white stripes, I always refer to them as the refs of F1 and therefore the zebras of F1. So we are into the wild right now. Understatement of the century. Into the oh, wild. 
So where where do we start with all the things that happened? I would argue maybe the beginning of the race weekend, where the first announcement we got was that the FIA was banning any wheels on track walks. So no more bikes or scooters, which whether or not that's the right decision, like, <laughs> what? I'm bummed for two reasons. One is the actual reason of like, there's a million other things that the FIA could be looking at to like be regulating. And we've been saying that literally since episode one, and this is only episode nine. So that's <laughs> saying a lot. And then my second grievance is how dare the FIA now just prevent us from receiving more like biker, like drivers on bikes and wheeled vehicles and like really silly photo content because it's always so like ridiculous to see. So it's a double-edged sword of you have so many other things that are important and don't take this away from us. I'm like, unless they're obviously safety things, bigger safety things to be considering right now. I did get upset for fans because I do know on tracks, not only the American tracks, but on some of the tracks that have smaller visitation, they will let fans on the track on days like Thursday. And I know because the drivers go out on bikes, they'll stop and they'll take photos or autographs, write autographs for fans who are there. And like Charles Leclerc came out and said that he is not going to just do any more track walks because he only wants to do it on a bike. Um, so I, there is the like fan component of it where I am sad that like, it does seem like a decent amount of drivers will stop going out and like meeting fans will, won't get that interaction anymore. Um, I, I just, I fundamentally just think it's to your point, silly, like so low on the priority list, like whether or not it's a safety problem, like cool, but like, and I still think it's just another thing that just feels like an unnecessary policing of what the drivers do. Which takes us to FIA event number two, which is really every single week we're going to have to have the meeting with Lewis's medical doctor about the exception to the nose ring. Can't we just have once at the beginning and then just be done? Nope. Different nose, different piercing, different person. I don't know. It makes no sense. They, it's like, if it's not okay for one, why not be okay for another? Don't know. But you know right. what? If FIA bot continues to tweet out that every week it'll just be Lewis Hamilton, you know, given clearance to maintain, you know, not remove his piercing for medical reasons. Great. More ridiculousness of just the FIA. Let's compile it all together. It'll be, I'll wear it as like a crown at the end of the season. <laughs> right. Right. So we haven't even hit an on track session and we have two things. And we, I personally was feeling coming out of Thursday. Oh, okay. Got it. This might be one of those weekends. And, right. and we were, we were right. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. uh, a good, you know what? I'm going to break up the, the bad here. There was a new update that came out this weekend that was positive. And they did do an update to the driver penalty system where now drivers only get penalties on their license for transgressions that are like dangerous driving. So we don't end up with a situation where a driver gets a race ban because he went over the speed limit 12 times in the pit lane. See, but what's <laughs> fun about that is Pierre still has 10 points until the end of May. Yeah, which, again, I don't understand if the FIA is going to change this now, why don't they retroactively change the points that they were given? But Because then that what will people talk about? What will, what will the correspondents be able to talk about anytime Pierre almost maybe kind of does something. <laughs> 
And then they can say 10 points, 10 points. If it's 12 points, they miss a race. 12 points, you miss a race. Did you know 12 points, you miss a race? And, you know, it's not per season. It's calendar year. I've, we've heard it so many times. It's still crazy because he, there were so many times I feel like it's like, oh, the FIA's made it pretty clear they're not going to penalize him for anything as well. So it's, at this point, it's just silly. It's like, what's the point of it? Um, all right. So the, the big headline things that I'm sure every podcast is talking about is, should Fernando have gotten a penalty? Should he have not? And should that have been his podium? Should that have been a George podium? And I just, like, I want to, roll, like, okay, at this point, I'm just going to turn this back onto our zebras and say, why? And just talk about that. One, why did we not know until the end of the race that this was a possibility? It happened so early in the race, this could have been identified earlier. But then two, him getting to keep his podium because seven instances in the past, the FIA couldn't follow their own rules, therefore he gets a pass. I just want us to recognize the silliness of that because if there's seven times that they were able to pull that the FIA didn't penalize this, I just want to acknowledge that that means there's probably a hundred other times where the rules were followed. <laughs> but, yeah, Sir Martin just went to find enough that's like, okay, this is enough receipts that you're like, people aren't penalized. It's probably been like, at least every other race, if not. it may, I could not believe when Aston Martin was able to so quickly provide evidence right. of like, hey, look what you did not do. This was identified in a pre-meeting going into this season. Like, we could get away with this loophole, so if there is a penalty, put the jack under there. And so I just, the the fact that we are at a point of incompetency with stewarding of this sport, that the reason Fernando got to keep his podium is because the FIA is bad at enforcing their own rules, is just silly. And we just need to acknowledge that that's silly. Whether or not you think he deserved the podium or not, I don't care. I just think this is silliness and I can't believe it's race two and we had to wait three hours after the race to get the final <laughs> result of all of this. It's unbelievably silly and honestly created like super awkward moment. And that's where I'm here to say I created a podium of three really awkward moments from this weekend. <laughs> Maybe FIA is involved. Maybe they're not, but I have an FIA podium. I have a awkward moments podium to share. For the Saudi Arabian GP. So starting with P3, we have the Charles radio right after the safety car. <laughs> and it's, you know, push for the safety car, line on Lewis. And Charles just is like, you have to tell me this earlier. And all they could say, copy. And he curses. <laughs> Super so awkward. awkward. So <laughs> uncomfortable. Like... You know, so Ferrari, and we haven't even gotten into Ferrari already, but just, like, that was, like, so unbelievably weird. P2 is the entire cool-down room after the race. So between Max and Checo's discussion of Checo, like, did they tell you to stay on pace? What was your time? But, like, that bickering, while Max continues to sit down in the P1 chair... Just probably out of force of habit. And then Alonzo sits in the P2 chair and no one is sitting where they're supposed to. The conversations are so strange. I felt so awkward. And probably the only more awkward meeting was the race debrief meeting at Red Bull. So what we saw, cool down room, incredibly awkward. 
Right, we've seen worse cooldown rooms. Someone's thrown things at people before, so I thought it was relatively civil. And I don't think Max did that on purpose, but just the visuals of it. I, yeah, right. Of course, yeah, it was definitely... Right. I'm not saying Max did that <laughs> on purpose. I really think probably out of force of habit... Force of- he sits like, down in the same chair he always sits in. But it was just so unbelievably funny. And then for Fernando to also sit in the wrong chair made it up for me. And P1, of course, this entire back and forth gave me whiplash. The FIA giving Fernando P3, Alonzo P3, like, uh, whoop, that's the same person. But he got P3 twice. And George also got P3 in there too. That backlash. FIA, figure out what you're doing. Take maybe less than 30 laps to to figure out if a penalty was served correctly. Unbelievable. Mercedes made good jokes about it. Aston Martin made good jokes about it. But like, oh my God, I couldn't keep track of who is P3. (laughs) The winner of the weekend was Fernando's social media post asking for the, the trophy back. That was, but yes. The whole thing was just like, why are we doing this? This is so incredibly uncomfortable. Like, yeah. And then I I will like tack on last FIA thing is apparently the reason we got the safety car is because Lance tried to take the off road to get the car off the track and he couldn't because there was a tractor in the way. And what's the point of having an off road for a driver to get off safely as quickly as possible and then to park something in the way it's just it make i don't know how i've never had such like anger and fury against tractors but like suddenly i've developed this in like recent in like recent years of just like and it's all because of f1 and all of the horrible things but it was just it was a nightmare just all over i between you know shout out to fernando alonso fernando alonso and george russell for being good sports about it and also, I just loved George's radio at the end of the race when they were like, you know, oh, you're 5.1. And he just goes, ah, fudge. <laughs> like, he can curse on the radio, but of course. And he did. Curse. Like, at the points of the race, he cursed. But at that moment, clear as day, on the FIA, on F1's current YouTube page, ah, fudge. <laughs> ah. Yeah. So, truly, it's, the FIA thing is baffling to me, because I will always compare them as the ref to other sports, and look, look, I'm a Philadelphia Eagles fan. It's been a rough, rough go with refs recently, but I, I have decent confidence in every other sport I watch that at least the refs are out there trying to be competent. There's not, I don't necessarily think that um, the ref who called that penalty on the Eagles that shouldn't have been a penalty at the end of the Super Bowl. I don't think that ref was trying to make it about himself or was like, like bought in a back room or doing like these backroom deals on like, this is how we do it. Or like, he was trying to follow the rules. It is what it is. I will one day get over it. But I mean, we, we are, hold on, we are not an NFL podcast, so we can't dive too much into this. But when I tell you that Brad and I have not discussed the Super Bowl at all off pod or on pod, this is the first time I've gotten any discussion about the Super Bowl from Brianna. And I'm like, wow, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. very, yeah. 
you took the adult time and really sat with Thank that you. because as a Eagles fan by proxy for you, I was not as even keeled, but we don't need to go into that. But No, and I'm still devastated. But I don't think there's any ill will attached to that, nor did I in the moment. And everyone online, no like no rational person was out there being like, it's rigged, it's rigged, or anything like that. And I can never confidently say that about the FAA. All everything they do feels like a backroom deal, and that's all that's going on here. And they they're in it's with the NFL, it's always like, did they follow their rules correctly or to the letter, like how they should have? With the FIA, it's like, oh, they're just not following their rules. And like, right now we're going to throw that all out. And I won't bring up and get into like, all of this is just very triggering because of 2021, always. <laughs> but FIA so, follow rules sometimes when right. they want to. Right. Which is so frustrating as someone who wants to watch a sport get litigated correctly and to their own rules. That's all I ever want, is the FAA to follow their own rules. This was the first time this season that I Googled who is the current race director. And we have not memorized his name yet. And it has not gone down in infamy yet. And there was a past race director whose name I will not say on this podcast right now because it triggers me and many other people. But I will just give a warning that as a race director, it's not a good thing when podcast hosts have to look up your name. So just be careful. Just be careful. That's all. You know? I don't want to know you. I don't want to know who my referees are. Things are bad when you know the ref's names. That's it. That's how I feel about sports. It's true. I've only Googled the names of referees when I'm super upset. Yes. Zebras, go into the wild and stay hidden in the wild. I calculated Red Bull's race pace, and I think there's two big Red Bull questions leaving this weekend. One is, so just how much faster is Red Bull? Like, there's there's varying takeaways that we're hearing, just how much faster are they, and I needed to know, which is why I calculated the race pace. But also, I think, coupled with that is, do we believe that Sergio Perez can actually compete with Max, at least for a little bit, uh, for the championship? <laughs> It's it's a very interesting question, and you and I have had a couple of discussions about it, but mm-hmm. I think, like, the person you asked that question to, who is the only person that knows the answer, thus we all know the answer, is Max. Like, True. it's not, can't, like, do we believe that Perez can? It's like, Max will just make sure that, like, he can't. Or, like, given any opportunity to just stay in front and you know that Max wanted P1 and like be able to come back through all of this and shout out to Checo for just pushing and pushing and like keeping that P1 because I, you, he had to be sweating in that. So, I mean, I think Checo will, it all just kind of depends on what happens to Max because it Red Bull can say and give whatever pace they want. Max wants to win. Max literally came out and gave quotes of saying, he's not here to be second. And it was great for the team. He's not here to be second. And he got that fastest lap just to ensure that there's not a week that he's not in first place of driver championship. I agree with you. I think, I do think it's an interesting development that Red Bull seems like they're not going to be team Max right now. I thought that was the most interesting thing to come out that they were giving both drivers the same times and they then just let them loose to race because they couldn't control them. 
Um, when historically they would have just been like Checo slow down, swap cars. Yeah. It so felt th- very like a f- almost Ferrari moment of Red Bull where they're like, we have this on lock. Like there's going to be it or a Mercedes. Yeah. I guess I'm just speaking of like a recent, Last of a, year, yeah. like a, a, a team is not calling team orders and like everyone's getting the same guidelines and it's like a team effort and not like a, here's a driver that needs to move in order to like, it so felt like, huh? This is weird that we're not just seeing a team orders occur to give like Max the go ahead. I do think that Red Bull as an entity is smart and they understand. So it all goes back to this franchise model. All 10 teams at the end of the day have the same financial interest, which is even though they're competing on the racetrack, they need F1 to be healthy. And I do think Red Bull is smart enough to understand if we're going to have this crazy dominant car, we need to do what Mercedes did and let our drivers fight, even if it's not necessarily always the fairest fight, because I think we both think Max would have been P1, would have won that race easily if it wasn't for the drive shaft failure in qualifying. Yeah. Yeah. But I think for just perception, for viewership, to making sure people don't evacuate the sport at race two, I think Red Bull understands they can't get on the radio and give team orders for financial reasons. That being I mean, said. I, yeah, I hope so. Because Christian had plenty of quotes when, you know, Mercedes was up in the front and like dominating and it's talking about how horrible it was for the sport. So like, you know, at least we got to see, there was interesting racing this weekend, no matter what. And even if that interesting racing was Max passing 15 people, like that's incredible just to see happen, even though you knew it was going to happen. Yeah. I, yeah. Two things to your point. I think there's two different eras of Mercedes dominance we can look at and they have two different effects. So there's the early, like the first hybrid power unit come out the gates, 2014, 15, 16, and Mercedes was very much at that time, like, let let our drivers race. And then we got 2016 as a result of that with the whole explosion of Nico and Lewis, which I think Mercedes has since learned that maybe letting them race in that way wasn't the perfect way to let them race. But through the entire Valtteri Lewis partnership, they always were told to let race. And when the car was incredibly dominant in uh, 2020, 2019, they were told they were allowed to race. Lewis was just faster. Um, but there was never, it never really felt like there was a, like until late, 2019 is interesting because Ferrari had the alleged, um, not confirmed, rumored, uh, very illegal power unit at the beginning of the season. So I think in the beginning of the season, there was no like let them race because they were competing with Ferrari. But, but, then, but then they weren't competing with Ferrari anymore. Um, but... I I digress a little bit. I think it's interesting to see a modern Red Bull in this situation. I do think for perception that they did the right thing this weekend in making sure viewership doesn't go down. But I, I, to the original question, like, can Checo fight with Max? It depends how many things go wrong with Max's car. Like, we do have a, a bunch of street races coming up in the early parts of the season is there actual Honda power unit issues and do those disproportionately affect Max, then we're going to have a longer championship battle. And I think Honda PU reliability issues. Let's all collectively pray because I, I did pull the race pace numbers and it's about a second a lap. Like to it's, I think it's six tenths 
sometimes a half a second to the Aston, but it it's to Mercedes and Ferrari, it's about a second a lap more to the Alpine. It's an astronomical amount of pace beyond everyone else. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I've listened to a couple of podcasts and uh, the big question online is, you know, well, we know that Max isn't going to win every single race this year because he didn't. And yes. then people are like, well, do you think Alonso can win one race? And I like the answer is, well, can if the Honda power unit continues to have reliability issues and something happens to Max and Checo in a race, well, like, yeah, there you go. Straight out. But, I, just think I mean, even still, I think there's more ways that it can happen, but it's not, it doesn't seem impossible. No, because motor racing's fluky and there's going to be some random race where like some crash happens, some, like, there's just like, it happens. Like if you, even just looking at last year, like Mercedes didn't win Brazil because they just all of a sudden got pace. Like fluky things happened. They won the Brazil race. Like, we're going to, we have six sprint races this year. There's going to be more races with less prep time. Things, there will be one re- weekend where stuff just goes wrong because there's a lot of races now. Mm-hmm. If we had 16 races this season, I would be like, no, 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 it's all, it's all probably good. But like, there's 23, so. But this does allude to one of the podiums that I brought this year, this, for this recording. Words. Wow. <laughs> Saudi Arabian GP podiums. Yes. What's your best podium? So I have two. I need to do them together. It's moments that made me very sad this weekend. And then I'm going to group that with moments that actually made me smile this weekend. I don't like probably like the sad one should have been like, wah, wah, wah. wah. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. I didn't want to just talk about the things that made me sad. So I'll start with P3, moments that made me sad is the announcement that Angela is no longer going to be in the paddock. Yeah, maybe we should use the wah, wah, wah. No, I was like, that didn't feel right. Yeah, big bummer. Yeah, yeah, I was sad. Um, I just, she is, well, there are so many amazing women working in the paddock. Because of the time she spends standing next to Lewis, she is one of the most visual on TV, like, examples of women working in the paddock. So, Show more women on the pit wall. But moments that made me happy, P3. Alonzo's social media post. Unhinged. Amazing. Amazing. Keep doing it. I think he is doing social media better than the 20-somethings in the paddock right now. I agree. As soon as he hit the gritty, I was like, this is it. (laughs) Yeah. Someone someone there understands. Um, All right. Moments that made me sad, P2. Uh, the time I spent calcu- calculating just how much faster the Red Bull is than everyone else. But moments that made me happy, P2, was all the videos of the Ferrari drivers drawing portraits of each other. Amazing content. A plus. <laughs> all right. P1, moments that made me very sad this weekend. Watching Lance slowly DNF. Finally has a fast car. Unfair. So sad. So sad. And then scary when he just couldn't exit properly. Right. Well, and then, like, we still don't really know what happened. And there was, like, fire. But I don't know. Um, All right. But 
ending on a high note, moments that made me very happy this weekend. P1, well, it's a tie. After all of this chaos, the Mercedes is still tied for two in the constructors. <laughs> and that's tied for P1 with Lewis's black outfit on Saturday. Lewis killed it with the fits this weekend. It was unbelievable. This yes. man decked out in Dior. I just... <sighs> Bringing joy every morning when I wake up when I definitely needed it this season. Every fit is like a little sparkle of happiness amidst like, what is going on? Legitimate, like, like sweater of sparkles. Right, right. Which leads me to, so should, as Mercedes fans, should we feel encouraged? Or how, how are you personally feeling after this weekend? I feel better than Bahrain. Yes. Yeah, I think. I don't know what that means, but I feel better than Bahrain. Yeah, I I guess I feel better than Bahrain. Right? I think. I just, I don't know how to properly describe my feeling, but it, it's not as like. Doom and gloom. The world is Doom and gloom. I mean, the hope didn't necessarily increase, but the doom and gloom has been like a little bit maintained. Yeah, I yeah, I feel the same. I just I mean, seeing them in front of the Ferraris did make me feel better. Only that I can point to a different team and be like, we weren't them that week. Oh. Yeah. yeah, being being in front of Ferrari definitely makes the difference. But then back to your point and you pulled the numbers and everything, like trying to race the Aston Martin just seemed almost impossible and that really hurt to watch. You know, like there was some racing, but it was just between like you know being able to maintain grip it just like if just because of the nature of f1 and how the laps go and tire degradation goes it's just like watching any sort of attempt of racing against the aston martin was like what are we doing and we just knew it was eventually just not gonna go how a mercedes fan how we would want it to right but i needed lance to finish that race to see yes. how it would play out because look Lance fan, so I also just needed Lance to finish the race. But I will admit that Alonso makes a difference the same way that Lewis makes a difference in a car. So I need I needed to see and be able to average that out to get a full understanding of what's going on with the Aston car and how that relates to Mercedes. But I hate that I'm even having that conversation in my brain, to your point. Where it's but true. it's fair. I mean, having anyone that is no matter our opinions, and again, we've been very honest of that we're not necessarily like big Alonso fans. We're Lewis yeah. fans, so like, right. Right, like, yeah, duh. But <laughs> there's a difference when you have a a world championship driver operating any car. Yes. They just figure out the best way to optimize it, and that is something that, and not as an offense to Lance, like it just would be very interesting to be comparing. Alonzo's numbers in the car to Lance's numbers in the car. Yeah. And I'm not upset that I'm having the conversation mostly because of that. I'm upset that I'm even having the conversation of having to compare this Mercedes car to that Aston Martin car. Like the fact that the 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 bar is now the Aston Martin is so frustrating and upsetting. But we did get this weekend confirmation that we're going to see a completely different car soon. And I just just get it right, please, please. And every single time Toto comes out 
and talks about getting Lewis his eighth, I always feel better. So I'm just, I'm going to live in that land and. No one bother us. No one tell us anything different. I don't want any, any other knowledge. Because trust me, we know. We're just not putting it out into the world, but we know. Right, wait, 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 wait. That hope alarm. There we go. But So moving away from Mercedes, because I can't linger on there too long, or I will be back in the Bahrain space, and I want to be in the, like, slightly better than that space of (laughs) of the Saudi Arabian GP. Uh, Ferrari really got it wrong this past weekend. There, yeah. So how are you thinking? This is like a temporary. They just really got this weekend wrong. Do you think that's actually the pace of that car? Like where where are you landing on on the future of Ferrari? Because this was just moving on from this weekend. This was a bad weekend. At least, so this opinion is a lot as just kind of where I've just seen the state of Ferrari just like going. I think right now there's so much mayhem off track and I think we started to see that maybe like the communication issues or whatever last season like may have been like an actual part of their whole like strategy issue or different things like that mm-hmm. but right now with a combination of all the things we discussed last week of like apparently people are saying it's bad and this is ha- like or if it's the media it just feels like there's so much madness happening off track that it's affecting the mentality on track yeah, yeah, I concur. And I do, I've really appreciated Fred Vassar's statements. And he seems very frank and upfront. And I think Ferrari probably needs that. And he he definitely seems to have identified and understands the problems. It's just whether he's going to be given the tools to solve them. Right. Is always the question with Ferrari. I do think that this weekend was somewhat of an anomaly. I think they heavily reacted to the tire degradation in Bahrain and probably just didn't do enough to figure out what the actual pace of the car this weekend is. Plus, I do not trust that they've solved the power unit problems. No, no. I mean, I we've seen that that was already not solved and flowed over from last season in Bahrain. Right. And it it's, I don't know, Ferrari's just really determined to be Ferrari and (laughs) yes yeah 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 no that I don't think nothing else there we go we're done talking about Ferrari because gosh if you're not a Red Bull fan like we all just although being an Aston Martin fan right now is probably really lit yeah probably yeah yeah you know I wish I could feel that way because I I did feel pretty good being a not Aston Martin not Lance fan yeah, being an Alonzo fan feels really great right now. Is your yeah. Point. Yes, gotcha. So I guess that, that all leads us into our misery corner for the race weekend because it's F1. We got to have our misery corner. And it's a crowded corner this week. Yeah. Well, I think a great way to start off the misery corner, you had some fun things to share about Ferrari, right? Yeah, I have, I have a Ferrari podium, which is Ferrari moments that signaled to me that it was going to be a bad weekend. oh gosh oh no 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 let's get started (laughs) all right this one has an honorable mention uh when i ran the race pace simulation for fp2 
I feel like I gotta use sad trumpet for these two. (laughs) (laughs) All right. First on the podium, P3. When I identified around halfway through Saturday that they were only posting good photos of Carlos. Yeah. Not post sad noises with good pictures of Carlos. I was like, wow, these are all really good photos. And then I went, oh no. There's no like weird, bad, taken, silly. Fa- what? It, it was a bad sign. I wasn't happy. Actions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. P2, when they announced Charles's penalty, like on Wednesday before the race. Oh, yeah. right. Race yeah. two. <laughs> right, great. I went, oh, okay, not going to be a good weekend. And then P1 was when we got back-to-back days with cold tub thirst trap videos of both of the drivers. That, I was like, wow, all right, damage control is going on right now. It was the perfect example of, look over there! To, like, (laughs) what was going to happen that weekend. I just love to imagine that Ferrari's in a PR meeting and they're like, all right, what are we going to do this week that's going to like keep morale high? And the social media person has to raise their hand and be like, we'll post two videos, one of each driver in the cold tub before the race. Like what kind of, like, that's just how I imagine and dream the conversation to go. Right, right. And I just like to imagine that it's actually Fred who's recording the whole thing. And like, Charles, get in the bathtub. And it's a lot funnier when you think about it that way. And uh, that's how I will just choose to imagine that whole scenario went down. Alanis this week, or a couple days ago, tweeted that um, uh, she's like, it's never been clear that Ferrari has a number one driver because Charles Leclerc gets an entire film crew and a high-res video of him and his cold tub, and they just hand, they hand Carlos the phone, and they're like, yeah, record a selfie. Like, Take this old rubber ducky and record a selfie and then drop the phone in the bathtub. <laughs> Perfectly captured the personalities, though. I thought it was great. Oh, yeah. No, it did great. But we do have some other members in the Misery Corner today. We have the aforementioned Lance, who, like, it had to be his car that had some mysterious explosion in it. Yeah. Oh, that's so sad. And even, like, his post-race interviews, like, right after, um, was just like, I don't know. They just, I don't know what happened, but the brakes were smoking and they had a fire extinguisher. And that's always very scary. I I will never adjust to that part of this sport, but terrifying. You know, my favorite members of Misery Quarter this weekend are McLaren. Because the fact that Pierre Gasly caused damage to Oscar's car, and then for and then that part of Oscar's car that flew off just so happened to miss every car except for Lando's car, and then the, both the McLarens had to go get their front wings changed within the first two laps. <laughs> and they still, like, didn't... They weren't last, so, you know? It's... An improvement. They are P10 in the standings because AlphaTauri has had a higher finish this season. So. Oh, yeah. I only meant not last in the race. Not in general. Oh, yeah. I know what you meant because also in our misery corner is for some reason Valtteri Bottas was just like 
hanging out in the back of the field. Yeah, he's a let's have a horrible, absolutely terrible, no good time. Um, I actually have a wonderful podium um, for our misery corner as well. And I worded it as biggest wah wah moments of the weekend. (laughs) Wait, where's. Okay, I found the sad trumpet. I'm ready for this. Let's go. That's great. Okay. Uh, I tried to not just make it a whole podium of DNFs um, because <laughs> it just felt like too easy, but I will give the honorable mention. I feel like we were about to get here. Honorable mention, Alex Albon. <laughs> and frustrated radio, and he just deserves better. And I love you, Alex. Thanks for using the right toner. Um, so now I have P3 of my womp womp moments. Man, Yuki. Just Yuki was so close <laughs> to points. <laughs> and his vulgar radio <laughs> at the end. And all his post-race interviews where he just looked devastated. He's like, it's the second week in a row. And I'm just trying. And admit, like, that Alphatari car is not fast. And he is trying so hard for the entire race to try to keep that car in the points. I really felt for him. <laughs> And, like, we, as discussed, like, Haas would be competitive for Haas at Saudi Arabia. And they, you know, were able to pull off points. But, like, the fact that it's Kevin Magnuson that, yeah, it's it's rough. It was a rough time for Yuki. My P2, uh, we just discussed. Valtteri Bottas. Oh my god. He, yeah, the only person below McLaren. Um, and unfortunately, he says his entire horrible race was caused by the uh debris flying from the Gasly like Piastri Norris like whole entire like ordeal that happened at the beginning. So uh, McLaren still ended up in front of him, but struggled with grip. There was debris flying everywhere. He literally finished more than a full minute behind Lando and was lapped at the end. So he, yeah, it was a rough time. It just always serves as a reminder that like if anything gets lodged in that floor, the performance of the car dramatically decreases. Like we saw yeah. this at Silverstone last year with Max's car and he had the giant piece of Alvatari debris stuck in his floor. But so it was a similar thing. It hasn't been fully like, like the team hasn't come out and confirmed it, but like I, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it was he his had, speculations and yeah. like God, he had three pit stops, like because he probably kept saying like I'm losing grip, what's going on? And it's because yeah. there's no downforce to the floor. Like poor guy, poor guy. And uh, my number one biggest womp womp moments because it's just where I felt the most just devastated and sad is Lance's DNF because that radio of. Stop the car! Just. Stop the car. Stop the car now. Stop the car on track. That was terrifying. It was scary. I, and just, God, he can't catch a break between his wrists and now, like, this race, it's been a rough time for Lance. So, you know what? I'll give you the top of the podium here, buddy. (laughs) I'm sure he wants that top of the podium. I know. It's been a rough it's been a rough one. I want to so. land podium so badly. I really thought that there was an opportunity this week. And then there was a safety car. 
And even though it was caused by him, but like then Max just got to like go. Zoop. But yeah, as soon as the safety car, as soon as they, and it's, you know, people are like, it could have been a virtual safety car, but it's a whole bunch of things we don't need to go into right now. But as soon as it became an actual safety car, it was like, well, Max could have just waited a little and then just like, <laughs> but rough time, rough time. And it was just not an ideal situation and a very scary radio to receive. So sorry, Lance, maybe Australia. Yeah. Well, you know. Guess what, Nicole? Since that closes our race recap questions, I can officially tell you that it's Australian GP week. I mean, it's not Australian GP week, or but... Close enough. It, it is now... The next race. The next race is the Australian Is the GP Daniel Ricardo Grand Prix. <laughs> I'm so excited. I miss him so much. Hey podcast listeners, Gossip Grid here, your guide to F1's Paddock Elites. Hello everyone, welcome back to Gossip Grid, and boy oh boy do we have a jam-packed segment for you this week. Pop culture is overflowing everywhere in F1, and I'm here to tell you everything about it. First off, Taylor Swift kicked off the Errors Tour this week with 44 songs. She's a Lewis Hamilton fan. Next. Okay. Was it her? Uh, was it Midnight's like 44 minutes long or something? Midnight's is also 44 minutes long and was released the weekend of CODA. You were so right I didn't put that together right now. This is a live reaction. Taylor Swift <laughs> is a Lewis Hamilton fan and I will not do anything different. <laughs> That's my headcanon. And it's 44 minutes without the 3 a.m. edition. Don't tell me that it's otherwise. Trust me. I know. Okay. <laughs> Uh, we had Will I Am was in Saudi Arabia and they actually had to vacate drivers and team members had to vacate the track early because Will I Am was filming a music video on the Saudi Arabian track. Really wild. And Saudi Arabia used him, the GP used him to promote the race. So we'll be excited to see whenever that music video comes out. There was a lot of talk last week on the internet with uh, Cristiano Ronaldo and that he's absolutely required to attend the Saudi Arabian GP since he's moved to a Middle Eastern club team and was getting paid 173 million pounds per year. That part of that insane contract was he has to attend the race. Well, not true. He did not attend the race. But he is an F1 fan. We've seen him at the Monaco GP, and he's been a, visited the Ferrari factory with Carlos and Charles. But this clause was not real because he literally was not there this past weekend. But who was there? Lots of celebrities, lots of people performed. But Will Smith was as close as you could possibly get to a car without driving it. Um, he absolutely loves Lewis. He, quote, Lewis is my guy. Lewis is my man. During uh, Martin Brundle's gridwalk, a very different gridwalk than our gridwalk, but Martin Brundle walked up to Will Smith and was able to ask him one question and was really curious of, have you been asked to be in the new, you know, Brad Pitt F1 movie that's being produced by Lewis? Will Smith very humbly said that he had not been asked yet, but he hasn't been told no either. And of course, then made a big joke about how he needs to get rid of his gut to fit into the car. So it'll be <laughs> interesting to see who ultimately gets cast in that movie. Hasn't started filming yet, will be later this year. No casting has been announced yet, but know that I will share as soon as it does. 
Uh, yesterday on the Roscoe Loves Coco, so if you don't know who Roscoe is, first off, he's the biggest star of Formula One. He is Lewis Hamilton's dog, and we love him. And on, he's so adorable, he's so cute. On his Instagram yesterday was shared a Be Real photo where, I mean, uh, Lewis posted, Roscoe posted, what? Uh, on Instagram and did not crop out the username on the end of the Be Real. It is at Roscoe Pup if you want to attempt to request it. But I did, and it said too many pending requests. So me and Roscoe, aka Lewis, can't be friends just yet on Be Real. I have a lot of questions about this post coming from someone who's apparently a boomer and has never used Be Real. Um, I thought the whole thing with Be Real is that you're taking a photo of you and what's in front of you. So I'm confused and thought Lewis pulled a template and put like a photo in each one because how do you how do you have Roscoe in both photos? He can't be in both places at the same time. Help, please. You yeah. Again, as someone that used Be Real for maybe like a second and but because I just was peer pressured and wanted to try it out. There's like a delay, so you can, when you take a picture, it takes it one way, and then you can like move and it takes it the other way. I'm unsure if it's the selfie first, the other one first, but like you, there's a way that you can be in both. So basically okay. how I imagine this whole thing is Lewis is sitting in his car, takes a picture of Roscoe, and then moves so that it's a selfie of him and his dog, and then he saves it, posts it on Instagram, and then either tried to crop the username but didn't but be real also doesn't give you any contact information you can't even go on a profile right. so, but I am taking this as confirmation that Lewis runs the Roscoe Instagram account I, that is will be my headcanon until someone like physically tells me otherwise I imagine Lewis sitting there in the Mercedes garage going Ooh, let's post this photo of my dog for the day because it that that's what I want to think and I will live in that that's to work with dad today. It is it is the one thing about Lewis Hamilton that I could say is like a very normal, like geeky thing to do. Like most of Lewis Hamilton is like ethereal, like how are you a person on this earth? But the mental image of him running his dog's Instagram account makes him human and it's, it's so human. Oh my god. <laughs> Speaking of Lewis. Recently, uh, they had the Mission 44, which is his foundation, an inaugural dinner for Mission 44. Not an important part of the story about the dinner, but Lewis Hamilton is an outfit repeater, which is huge and makes him more human. He wore actually one of his Bahrain GP paddock outfits to this dinner. My personal favorite's an all red fit, and it's beautiful. But the important part of this, the Mission 44 dinner, so they came all together as a large organization. He was there with his parents and his stepmom, and it didn't really seem like there was other big-name celebrities there because everybody else there was, like, an advocate for a greater, bigger cause. And they shared a video about the dinner, and it was all talking about what they've achieved, what they hope to be doing in the future. They literally, their slogan, reimagining the future. Um, there were speeches from several different advocates. So many women. I love that. You can always count on Lewis for that representation. It was a British poet. I apologize. I tried to pronounce this, but I'm forgetting how to pronounce this correctly. His name was Nizam Speaks. He's a big, favorite, famous British poet. And then another British singer, um, Ray Raye, maybe one of those two. Sorry if I pronounced that wrong. Performed. And it was just a really wonderful moment of recognizing artists and recognizing advocates. So shout out to Mission 44 for doing some wonderful, great work. Netflix yesterday announced Senna's, a Netflix, they announced the casting of Senna, 
for the Senna Netflix miniseries that they announced back in 2020. Yesterday would have been Senna's 63rd birthday. So the uh, Brazilian actor that would be playing him is Gabriel Leon. He's very well known in Brazil. Um, and he is nationally known for being in a telenovela called Hidden Truths. And then he was also the lead of the first original Amazon Prime video show that took place and produced in Brazil. This show is going to be a six-episode miniseries. And unfortunately, it was originally announced as eight episodes. We've lost two episodes, but any kind of insight on Senna, I'm really excited to see, especially because it's being produced with the blessing and participation of his entire family. His sister was really excited about the casting of Gabriel as Senna to play him. The filmmaker and the showrunner is also a Brazilian director, and he basically just came out and said not only is he making a series about an F1 legend, but a Brazilian hero. We're going to see a lot about Senna on track, but what I'm excited about is to see the investment of his relationships off track. It's a huge, huge project for Netflix. Brazil is currently one of their biggest booming markets, so it makes unbelievable sense they're doing this about Senna. Filming hasn't started yet, and there's no word on the release date yet. Speculated 2024, so sadly we have to wait. We also got a lovely story from GP Racing Magazine, Valtteri Botas Bears All. Um, the Naked Truth, literally. The article is titled Badass Botas because we see his his butt. Not the first time we've seen his butt, but uh, first time I guess we've seen it in print. I don't know what the article's about because you have to buy the magazine, but I can tell you I've seen the photos. <laughs> I just how many times I think it's become his thing. I like that he embraces that it his his thing. That it's like, right, I'm just gonna be naked everywhere. And we're like, alright, Valkyrie, you you do that. I just it led me down a train of thought that the ESPN body issue first needs to come back. And if it does, what F1 driver would be in the body issue? Because F1 has become like a big mainstream heavily talked about American thing now. So I could see the producers of the body issue sitting there being like, we have to get an F1 driver. I understand that Valtteri would be like, yeah, sure, I'm in, I'm doing that. But I don't think he's a big enough star. So like, who do you think? Like, I just, I just like going down this train of thought of like what wild thing would happen. Like, would Lewis be in the body issue? He's the answer. Right. He's the answer only from the superficial space of he's a star. Has the physical, like, what, toned physique that works through the body issue. And I'm not, and I'm, I'm saying this not trying to, be, like, shame anybody else. I'm just going by the brand of the ESPN body issue is that Lewis has that big name brand star and everything. And I also just don't think Max would do it is the other piece of this. Yeah, I think Max would say no. It's not that I don't think they, I think ESPN would love to have Max to be in the body issue. I don't think Max would do it. It really, really set my brain down like, a, oh my gosh, if the body issue was still here, like, would we be seeing F1 drivers in the ESPN body issue? And I think we would be. I think we would. It'd be interesting to see who would say yes, because I'm also going back and I don't know if Lewis would necessarily yes, say yes to it. Valtteri obviously would. I think Daniel Ricciardo would, but yes. yeah, yeah. I don't know if they would be the picks for the issue. Right. I wonder if, like, I wonder if the conversation would be had with Ferrari. Because it would be like, oh, it'd be really great to like have a Ferrari driver part of this, but like, is that against Ferrari? Ferrari Never. Yes. <laughs> Ferrari would be like, okay, they could do it, but they have to wear a Ferrari suit jacket 
<laughs> over everything else. Like they will not. <laughs> oh, man. Well, we'll have to see if ESPN decides to ever bring that back. But maybe this, uh, maybe someone at ESPN will see this spread and uh, be convinced to bring it back. Exactly. <laughs> and we will be wrapping up uh, to this week's Gossip Grid with some words from a lovely member of One Direction, Niall Horan. Oh, I am a hairy girl, but I love Niall so very much. Niall Horan was on, um, was being interviewed with Hits Radio, being answering questions from fans, and someone was like, I need to know who his favorite F1 driver is. And no surprise, because we saw him at the French Grand Prix. Niall loves Lewis. He's a big Lewis fanboy. He was fanboying over Lewis. Seven world championships. Loves Lewis. He's great. You can't deny it. He mentions Max, Charles, Carlos, and Perez, and then immediately returns back to Lewis and then shouts out Mercedes for taking great care of him of the French Grand Prix last year. I would like to notice Niall was very, very excited to share that he fell in love with Formula One by watching Drive to Survive. And it's so funny if you read through all the comments that no one thinks he's less of a fan because he found it through Drive to Survive. And I just thought that was, you know, just a really funny, interesting thing that, uh, you know, I maybe have not seen elsewhere. So it's okay if you're a fan of F1 because of Drive to Survive. Niall Horan is, and he loves Lewis Hamilton. And that's all I got for you this week on Gossip Grid. It was jam-packed. They're really giving us a lot of pop culture, so I'm sure we'll have more for you in the coming weeks. All right, time for Yellow Sector Notes. Like always, not the fastest walk around F1, but we will complete a full lap around the F1 paddock hitting every F1 garage. Starting out with a biggie today, <laughs> Red Bull, the energy drink manufacturer that owns the racing teams, was raided by the EU this morning due to investigations into antitrust suspicions. With this and Haas, it's definitely been an interesting week for companies that own F1 racing teams. Uh, <laughs> Aston Martin created a great road car ad referencing the speed of their F1 car. Uh, where the shadow of their road car was the F1 car. Very cool. Uh, GQ Australia wrote an article about Lewis already being the 2023 style champion of F1. And look, if he's not going to be the driver's champion this year, I'll take style champion. I think we can award him that now. Ferrari's power unit will be displayed at the F1 exhibition in Madrid, which is cool because these are, they did say it was going to be a modern Ferrari power unit. Uh, so probably not the current spec, but still cool to see inside all of that. Esteban was filming for Alpine Road Cars this week in Paris. Uh, Valtteri will be making an appearance at a Puma store in Australia where he is going to be interviewed by fellow mullet enthusiast Ned Brockman. Uh, so if you're in Australia, definitely go check that out and please send us photos of them together if you haven't because that, that sounds incredible. Gunther is going to be in the Fox booth for the NASCAR race this weekend that's happening at Coda. Williams dropped its Australian GP merch line. It looks really cool. Nick dropped his merch line, and unfortunately, currently there are no Debris-themed items. I think that's a missed opportunity. Oscar Piastri and his girlfriend toured parts of Melbourne in a video for the Australian GP. And Lando Norris was on Tom Daly's podcast, Made With Love. That is the grid walk for March 16th, 2023 completed. How was my sector time today, Nicole? Well, that was faster than the FAA figured out the Alonzo penalty situation, which isn't saying very much. <laughs> I feel like that was very slow then. 
<laughs> Anything is faster than how they did that, so. <laughs> true, true. Well, we want to give a big thank you, as always, to VoiceOver Man. Na- nationwide shipping for Wawa Coffee, basically keeping Brianna alive. <laughs> and our four-legged executive producers, Parker, I miss you. I'll see you tomorrow. Turn on auto downloads and rate and review the pod. It really, really helps us out. You have absolutely no idea. Shout out to the people listening on Apple Podcasts. Pretty please let us know what you are liking about the pod, what we can improve, what we could do differently. Let us know. We want to try some couple of different things out. Follow us on all of the social media platforms of your choice at Gridwalk Show everywhere for some daily Gridwalks. And we will be back every Thursday and we hope that you join us. (laughs) But today felt like a secret on the grid bike walk or a secret on the grid bike ride.